Darren Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another fine, fabulous, fantastic Friday, friends, for Torch Report 346. Beware of the cows. <laughs> uh, just having some fun, friends. Actually up here at Grant County Fairgrounds today for a horse event, and you know, sometimes we just have to laugh in the face of insanity, so I, I know... It's uh, it's it's so easy to get swept up and caught up in all the insanity. But underneath it all, life is still good. It's all good. I put a little screenshot in here. Actually, I made the little graphic art and it's got the cows sitting there in the uh, in the little inflatable pool. It says it's all good. You know, and I, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. You know, today is going to be a fast and furious Friday foray. There have been several news stories throughout the week uh, that provide perfect examples of how the global cabal is advancing their sinister agenda on every front. Their schemes almost seem comical, and we should laugh at it, until we realize that this is how they are fundamentally transforming the world that we know. And that's an issue. (laughs) But first up, friends, did you hear? Did you hear about those 18,000 cows that lost their lives. They basically got incinerated in Texas. It was almost like a cow bomb, you know, boom, that great big barn fire, by far the deadliest bonfire, uh, bonfire, barn fire in the in the state of Texas's history. And, you know, to lose 18,000 cows, I mean, that's a major amount of beef. You know, that's a whole lot of steak and burger just went up in flames. Of course, in the mainstream media, the uh, the major concern is the environmental impact. I don't know if you saw any of the images, but the bl- billowing black smoke. I mean, I, I imagine the stench was wafting for miles around, friends. But what's not being talked about here is how losing that much beef is going to affect your summer barbecue, potentially. <laughs> you know, I don't know where you get your beef from. I do get some uh, grass-fed beef from uh, Quit Your Bitchin' Ranch. That would be my mom's farm. And that's a great blessing to have access to. But for a lot of people, I'm thinking down in Texas especially, they're going to have a hard time finding a T-bone this summer because 18,000 cows just got incinerated uh, somehow, some way. And what I want to point out here is how this reduction in available beef fits perfectly into the global cabal's war on cows. Now, just to brush up a little bit here, the cabal's infatuation with cow flatulence has been around for a long time. And I put a small smattering of articles here in the report today for you to check out. The WEF says our taste for meat is endangering the planet. UC Davis says connecting cows and climate change must be done. Bill Gates says it's time to go to 100% synthetic beef. The Time magazine says switching from beef to eating bugs is going to reduce diet-related deaths. And the WEF says dropping beef could save millions of lives. It would slash emissions. It would save the planet. And it goes on and on and on. And countries all around the world are scrambling to implement anti-beef policies like taxing dairy farmers up to $175 per cow just to discourage having large herds and to fight climate change. And of course, 
not to be outdone. California has passed its own cow fart regulations, and that was back in 2016, friends. I don't know if you were keeping track of cow flatulence back in 2016, but in California, they are very, very progressive. And the EPA has been angling to target bovine flatulence and regulate cattle emissions as far back as 2007. So this has been uh, kind of dished up on the global stage for decades. And they're working it and working it and working it. And so we're seeing it come out. And when I see something like 18,000 cattle just evaporated or incinerated in a great big blast, it just gets me scratching my head a little bit like, hmm, you know, it fascinates me how all of this, you know, this this recent exploding of cows in Texas, all of this EPA stuff, the cow flatulent regulation, this is all it it it, it dovetails seamlessly. It almost seems to be facilitating this transition from eating beef to eating bugs. And just in case you've forgotten, you know, that the globalists say that by the year 2030, you're going to eat bugs and own nothing and be happy. <laughs> and then voila, you know, just like that, they, they declare this intent uh, to switch from beef to bugs. And then the stars begin to align. Bad things begin to happen. Thousands of cows get incinerated and society accelerates in the, that, in the direction of going beefless. And... When inflation shoots up over 100%, beef prices more than double year over year, all of a sudden, you know, worm chili, lizard ceviche, and fried ants. Now that becomes all the craze, friends. And what I'm trying to say here, I should say, slow down a little bit, Luke. <laughs> the, the scarcity leads to change. And I put a couple of those links in there that inflation, uh, the inflated beef prices up over 100%. You think about eggs, you think about what happened with the baby formula, all this kind of stuff. It's being orchestrated. They have an agenda, and then all of a sudden things happen. And then the narrative built around those events is that we got to get away, get away from beef. We got to get away from baby formula. We got to get away from, you know, whatever the case may be. Now, this worm chili. Lizard ceviche and fried ants. That's the title of an article that if you really want to get into it, it's it's they're they're taking some of the top chefs around the world and they're giving them these bugs and saying, cook us something good. Cook me something good. Da da da. And they're calling it the food re uh, revolution. And they're using these celebrity cooks to incentivize this nutritious transition for human beings. It's going to save the planet by, you know, turning these creepy crawlies into, you know, uh, top line cuisine. It's it's crazy, but this is how they do it. And of course, this is how they change public perception over time, the conscious transformation. Now, simultaneously, while they are trying to snatch the steak right off your plate, they are also launching a global campaign to steal your beer. I kid you not, friends. Grab your beer and hold on tight. Of course, that's not how they're selling it. They're not telling everybody that they're going to be stealing your beer, but that's exactly what they aim to do. I'm sure you guys know where I'm headed with this, all the stuff with the Bud Light. We'll get to that in a second. But last year, when pretty much nobody on the planet was paying attention, because we're still dealing with COVID, right? But that last year, the WHO, the World Health Organization, announced alcohol control policies at the global level. And they announced uh, the regulation of alcohol marketing was now 
going to be a public health priority. This is like the public health priority of international concern. It's an awful lot like a pandemic, but it's alcohol control policies, alcohol marketing controls, and it's just exactly like what they did with the war on baby formula that they launched back in the 1980s. Now, Looking at their website, friends, it, and I was, I was poking around there trying to see what they're up to. It's clear they've been working on this for years. You know, back in uh, May of 2022, the WHO highlights the glaring gaps in regulation of alcohol marketing across borders. And that's a big one across borders because this is an international regulation. Now, uh, 2021, they had new scientific research and mentorships, you know, uh, on alcohol control policies. Back in 2020, the WHO was accelerating action to reduce the harmful use of alcohol and on and on and on. And again, I just want to emphasize here, this is exactly the same strategy the WHO was using with the baby formula. So we're going to see it Time and again, but the pattern is very, very clear. And that said, trying to regulate alcohol at the global level is a much trickier proposition than trying to steal formula from hungry babies. The question is, how are they going to create the behavioral change necessary to get people to stop drinking so much damn beer, right? (laughs) I love a good beer. Now, It could be completely unrelated. Let me just start out with that. It might not be connected, but probably it is, you know, but apparently regardless of whether it's connected or not, apparently by plastering the repulsive image of a trans activist on the king of beers, it seems to be doing the trick into getting this behavioral change. And all of a sudden people are not drinking as much beer anymore. You've probably heard the news and hires their Bush. They've lost five. Actually, I saw an article out this morning, uh, over $6 billion in the last six days since they pulled this stunt. And of course the mainstream media is calling it a bloodbath among the longtime loyal customers who are all a bunch of right-wing extremists, you know, homophobic, you know, discriminators. <laughs> but I, I just got to say the, the sheer idiocy of catering to a fringe minority and ostracizing the vast majority of their biggest fa- fans, it's, it's incomprehensible. It doesn't make a lick of sense. It's, it's just, like I said, a sheer idiocy. But when you realize that this is a multinational corporation It's operating in over 20 different countries. Big beer is big business. And right now, their their profits are being targeted by the global cabal. We're just reading those initiatives from the WHO, not the least of which is regulating alcohol across borders. So basically, companies have a choice. Either they fall in line and they promote the agenda, or they are going to be regulated into oblivion. You know, that's how the game is played. You want to play with the big boys on the international stage. You want to play with the globe, play ball with the global cabal. You fall in line. And with that in mind, we can see that this little stunt really, uh, it kind of killed two birds with one stone. First, it created a dramatic decline in alcohol consumption, if only temporarily, it did, which is perfectly aligned with the globalists stated Goals. So they said they want to, you know, reduce alcohol consumption. Well, guess what? They just did, you know, dramatically. Now, the second thing is that it drives the wedge issue of trans activism down the throats of an audience who would just as soon completely ignore the insanity altogether. I mean, nope. Generally speaking, 
People are not standing around the backyard barbecue sipping on a Bud Light talking about trans activism. But now that they have the can in the hand and they have to come face to face with this, then, oh, my gosh. Right. So they're pushing that wedge issue, which divides society to divide and conquer us all. Now, there was no shortage of opinions flying around the Internet uh, about all of this. But personally, personally, <laughs> I believe the best response of all of to all of it was came from Kid Rock. I don't know if you saw the video of him. You know, he whips out his assault rifle. You know, he whips out his his AR to just obliterate several cases of beer. Bah, 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 you know, and then he turns to the camera to deliver the definitive message. Bud Light. Anheuser-Busch, you know, and it was just, it was glorious, friends. To me, that was pure Americana. And, you know, it's just a, it's a steam, but letting off some steam, right? It's the, the pressure release valve. But I think what we're seeing here in all of this, if we were to kind of, you know, dig deeper than the surface, is we find a perfect example of the activist media strategies that we've been talking about. And we were talking about it back in Torch Report 329, the great global story. We're talking about the great global narrative and how the globalist vision for, uh, they had the globalist vision for local control, essentially. And they were going to use activist media strategies. And that came out back in the 90s. So what we're dealing with now are the results of decades of massive public manipulation through these kind of media campaigns. And what's more, the full extent of this, really this, this incestuous relationship between the deep state and the media establishment, the global cabal, all of it's only recently coming to light. For most of you know, the last 30 years, most of us haven't been paying attention. We didn't really notice. We noticed things were kind of drifting. We noticed things were getting a little strange, you know. But when you have a trans activist on your beer can, it's really in your face. You know, what the hell is going on here? How did we get to this point? You know, now, just this week, a couple of other things to point out. Elon Musk was calling out NPR, National Public Radio and PBS Public Broadcasting, uh, for being nothing more than a state propaganda mouthpiece. And he slapped their Twitter accounts. He labeled them government-funded media. And, oh, man, oh, they were, oh, you can't call us government-funded media. That might cause people to question our, our, our objectivity, which does not exist, you know. But they, they think, well, that's it. We're done. We're leaving Twitter. Huh, we're out of here, you know. You can't call us state-funded media, which is exactly what they are, you know. But evidently, the truth was too much to bear. You know, they don't want to be called out for being government stooges, but they do openly admit that federal funding is essential to their operations. So it's kind of one of those, you know, mental gymnastics and all that kind of complete cognitive dissonance and disconnect with reality, even though, you know, their accounting says that federal funding is essential. It's, it's, you know, there was a couple of articles out trying to track exactly how much money taxpayer dollars go to fund these media mouthpieces, these propaganda mouthpieces, but their, uh, their bookkeeping is shady at best. But if we take a step back, friends, anyone who does not have their head buried up their backside knows full well that both of these organizations and indeed the bulk of the mainstream media as a whole have been co-opted by the state for decades. 
And as noted, you know, noted uh, previously discussed at length, actually, these organizations are now operating in concert and doing the bidding of the global cabal. This is global orchestration, coordinated state media via the Trusted News Initiative. If you haven't looked into that, click the link in the report today and check it out. It's big time, friends, because this is how they're mentally manipulating humanity as a whole. This control over the narrative is what has enabled them to get so far with their agenda. It seems ridiculous. It seems silly. Like, who the hell would buy into this? But we see people buying into it. You know, and that's, you know, think about it, friends. Think about having every country in the world sacrifice their sovereignty to the radical Ethiopian revolutionary who's currently running the WHO, the World Health Organization. Hey, you want to do that? No problem. We'll just pump out some narrative, you know. You want to use thousands of Ukrainians as guinea pigs for U.S. biological warfare experiments? Done. Not a problem. And of course, you probably haven't heard about that, and most people will never hear about that, and so the public remains none the wiser. But friends, the torch report is the truth you can trust. I'm not asking you to take my word for it. I'm putting the links there in the report today so you can check it out and see for yourself, read it, decide, is this good information, and then develop your own informed perspective. I have immense respect for your intelligence, friends, the astute listening audience here on the Torch Report. Now, the same thing goes, you know, as far as most people not thinking about it and the, and the public remaining none the wiser. The same thing goes for uh, China recently coughing up documents on the Biden crime syndicate showing, oh, look at all these millions of dollars that went to Hunter. No big deal there. How about the linked, uh, I'm sorry, leaked Pentagon papers that were showing we have U.S. troops with boots on the ground in Ukraine, you know, or the disturbing new COVID strains that are forcing some countries to mask back up. All of this is out there, but it's not being thrust into the public's consciousness. And it won't be unless, of course, the media handlers decide it's going to advance the agenda unless it serves the great reset under the guise of the greater good. Now, for example, you know, some of the things that are being thrust into the public's consciousness to serve the Great Reset under the guise of the greater good. I just want to put some examples of some stuff out there. Uh, The Biden administration demands that Americans buy electric vehicles because of climate change. You know, the Biden EPA announces new tailpipe emission standards that will force Green New Deal mandates on cars, delivery trucks, buses, transit, and more. Biden tightens methane emissions in a last-ditch effort to save the planet. (laughs) Biden buys in on the war on cows. It's a stinky job, but it's necessary. Laugh or cry, friends. Friends, in the minds of the collective climate cult, it's do or die. You know, that's that's the top priority. But let's just pivot for a second, because there are some serious questions, serious geopolitical considerations that need some answering. We need to consider that. And I think that Victor Davis Hansen has laid them out handsomely. So I'm going to read several questions here presented by Mr. Hansen today. He says, Why is the president of Brazil traveling to China to pursue what he calls a beautiful relationship? Why are Brazil and China buddy-buddy? The BRICS, we talked about it. He says, why is Israel suddenly facing attacks from its enemies in all directions? 
What happened to Turkey? Why is it threatening fellow NATO member Greece? Is it still a NATO ally? Is it neutral or is it now a de facto enemy? Why are there suddenly ongoing Chinese threats toward Taiwan? Why did Saudi Arabia conclude a new pact with Iran, its former arch enemy? You know, why was Egypt secretly planning to send rockets to Russia for use in Ukraine? You know, since when? Did the Russians talk nonstop about the potential use of tactical nuclear weapons? Since when? You know, why is Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador bragging that millions of Mexicans have entered the United States illegally? And why is he interfering in U.S. elections by urging his expatriates to vote for Democrats? Why in the hell is that happening? Why and how in just two years have confused and often incoherent President Joe Biden and his team created such immense global chaos. It's a good question. <laughs> it's a good series of questions, friends. And Hanson, he goes on to offer uh, 10 explanations for all of this Biden-induced chaos. But I do believe, friends, there is a single sentence that can really put all of this into perspective. Welcome to the Great Reset, baby. <laughs> you know, things are crazy, friends, but life is still good. As often as you can, just try to laugh it off. This too shall pass. That is the message of my heart for today, friends. I hope you have a fine, fabulous, fantastic Friday. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and I will look forward to... Hey, wait a minute, friends. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to find that little heart on the Substack app or the website. Click that heart and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this fine, fantastic, fantastic, fiery Friday. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.